Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. That was an incredible testimony. Love that one. Thanks, Unity, very much. It's so good to see y'all here, here in front of us, and then online, the ones that are watching online and maybe in other rooms uh, here. We're so glad y'all are all here with us. Uh, Valentine's Day, uh, so our sermon is for the love of God, and uh, I don't know if y'all say that much over here, but you hear it kind of almost like a, a swear phrase in the States where they go, for the love of God. Have y'all ever heard that? Yes. Yeah. So I can say this to you, and you will understand, for the love of God is what we're here for today, and uh, that we have a mighty God who has all the love we are looking for, just like Unity was talking about. To start us off, though, for Valentine's Day, I'd like to, to ask you, why shouldn't you fall in love with a pastry chef? He'll desert you. <laughs> Next question. How did the cell phone propose to his girlfriend on Valentine's Day? He gave her a ring. Come on, y'all can do better than that. Last one, okay. What's the perfect thing to say to a coffee lover on Valentine's Day? Words cannot express though what you mean to me. <laughs> okay, give a good laugh. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Y'all need to practice your fake laughs. They're very important in life. So, two weeks in now on our fasting and praying, and I hope uh, that you're loving Jesus more and more. I don't know about you, but this week was interesting for me because uh, I found God sweeter, sweeter, sweeter than ever before. And uh, on Thursday, I what had decided I was going to, it was going to be my day uh, to pray for my children, my grandchildren. Who was an emotional day? Because I, I was writing things that I was praying and thinking about uh, my children. I have eight children and I have nine grandchildren. And we hoping one more is on the way with an adoption process. And so 10 grandchildren that I'm praying for. It was an emotional day for me on Thursday as I continued all day long talking to Jesus about my precious children and grandchildren. And I found that uh, was such a wonderful place to be, to be putting these people that I love so, so dearly into God's hands. I had a, a time last week, too, where I was reading about uh, God telling Moses how he wanted him to you know, build the tabernacle and then to build the Ark of the Covenant. And he tells Moses with the Ark of the Covenant, he says, and I will meet you here and we will talk together. I'll meet you here at the Ark of the Covenant. My first thought was, that'd be so awesome that God would say, I'll meet you here. So let's say one o'clock, meet you right here so we can talk every day. And I thought, wouldn't that be amazing? And then I felt God instantly say, I'm with you. You can talk to me anytime. I live inside of you. 
And I got so emotional again with the thought that I don't have to go to a specific place at a specific time to talk to God. I talk to him all the time. It just sounded cool to go sit down and have a chat with God. But I have the privilege, you and I, when we're children of God, have that privilege of God in us, the Holy Spirit living in us, that we can talk to him any time we want to talk to him. What a privilege it is. I don't have to meet God somewhere. I can just say, God, and he says, yes. How awesome is that? That was overwhelming to me this, this week as I started looking at everything. So I think, you know, as I continue with so much focus on prayer and writing down my prayers and um, really spending a lot of time in prayer and in Bible reading, I have found that this week has been amazing for me. It has been um, not... Well, I got to check off one uh, thing that had gotten answered again, you know, just getting to check off some things, but not a lot of things. A lot of things are future, things I'm asking for, but I feel like God's just saying, I hear you. I'm listening to you. Keep talking. Let's keep talking about these things. So in light of uh, it being Valentine's Day, for the love of God is the greatest story ever told. You know, we all, well, I don't know if guys do. I'll speak for us women. I love a good romance story. Love it. You know, where everything comes out all tidy. Everybody loves each other. The big final kiss and the music swells and it's all great. Maybe they're dancing in the middle of a street somewhere. It's awesome. I love it. This outdoes all those, all of them put together, by far. The greatest love story ever told is the story of our Heavenly Father and His Son. Uh, we're going to look today at one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It's 1 John chapter 4. And interestingly enough, I love it. So I just picked it for this to be what I, the topic, and it is so complicated. And I, as I was started studying, I thought, this is incredibly complicated. And I talked to Mom and Dad yesterday, and they said, how's it going? And I said, I said, Mom, I don't know that I can make anybody understand it. I think I'll just read the scripture and go think on that one. And I thought of, there was a time when Brian and I were in Rundu, and the volunteer team had come over, and their lead speaker was this country bumpkin man. And I mean, as bad as I sound, he was 10 times worse, you know. So he was so hard for us to even pick out what he was saying. So he had this Luchazi translator, and we're in this big hall, and hundreds of people. So this, this uh, southern pastor is just preaching up a storm as fast as he can go, not even acknowledging he has a translator that he might need to wait for, and with this accent. And so in Luchazi, the translator kept saying, good, good, what this man is saying is good. <laughs> That's what he kept saying. He never translated anything. He just kept saying that, good, good. What this man is saying is good, amen? And everybody would say, amen. <laughs> so that's kind of where I am now with this after a week of really working on this. Good, good. What John is saying is really good, amen? amen. Yeah, it is. So that's our sermon, you know, because good, good. I hope that you're going to listen. I hope 
that you don't drop off going, this doesn't make any sense. Hang in there with this, and let's see where we come out at the end. And we're starting with verse 7 and verse 8. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. You know, it's an ongoing thing. It says, let us continue to love one another. That indicates we are loving one another. Then let's continue. We're going to keep going. We're going to never stop. When something says continue, he doesn't even say until. He just says, let us continue loving one another, for love comes from God. You should find loving one another actually very, very easy because love comes from God. If you can keep that perspective, when you think about all the people in your life, everybody that moves in and out of your life, when we love one another, it should actually be an easy task for us because love comes from God. And then it says, God is love. Not love is God. God is love. His very being is love. This is, if you need love, you go to God. He is love. If I need chocolate, I go to a chocolatier. Chocolatiers are chocolate. You just think about these things. Where do you go when you need something? If I need love, I go to God is love. And to become like God means that I need to become loving like him. I must love like he loves. So love with God is the distinguishing mark of the child of God. Because it says, if you don't love like God loves, then you don't know him. So it becomes like if I'm going to be a child of God, there should be a mark on me that marks me to belong to him, that he is my father by the way that I'm loving. It should show that. I have always looked just like my daddy, always. My dad's dark skin, brown eyes, he's tall, uh, he's got overlong arms, he's got overlong legs, his belly button's up too high. I mean, I'm just made just like him, exactly like my daddy. And when I was growing up, I could be places in our town without my dad. And people would come up and say, are you Dan Lamb's daughter? And I'd say, yes, because I got it a lot. I wanted to be me. I didn't want to be Dan Lamb's daughter all the time. But they would say, you look just like him. I knew you must be Dan Lamb's daughter. God asked that all the time. But what if someone came up to you and said, I know who your daddy is. You act just like him. You look just like him. Your daddy is love, right? Wouldn't that be amazing? Your daddy is love. You look just like him. I wish somebody would say that to me. That'd be awesome. You look just like your daddy. We're never closer to God than when we're looking like him by loving other people. As we grow in our knowledge of God, that begins to give us love from God. So I'm growing understanding and loving God. Then love from God comes back to me, and then I learn to love other people. As we love others, I grow closer to God. So it's just this circle. As I'm loving other people, that's what God wants me to do. Therefore, 
I'm growing closer to God in this. Loving others is proof that we love God and that we're his children. It is the proof that we belong to him. And when you hear about churches fighting, Christians fighting with one another, then this, this passage is for us because that is the opposite proof. That says that who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Verse 9, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. And you look at that verse, how much does God love us? How much does he love us? He showed us how much he loves us when he sent his son into the world. He sending, uh, to me, indicates that Jesus was existing. He didn't create Jesus. Jesus was there with him, and God sent him on mission. He was being sent with the task to come. God's greatest love to man was sending his son Jesus to walk amongst us. Sending him, saying, go represent me, go be a physical form of who I am, and show them how much I love them. Jesus, showing God's love to us in ways that we could see and touch and experience. Letting God show up in Jesus's body and letting us see he lived on this earth. So I can't say to God, it's too hard. There's no person that can do this. And God sent his son to show us that Jesus Christ could walk amongst us and do this life. Jesus, God's one and only son. You hear that all the time, God's one and only son, God's unique son, no one like him, one of a kind, the only one who could be sent on this mission to rescue us. Jesus is the bringer of life today and forever. He came so that we might have eternal life. This is a rescue mission that God has sent his son on. In 1 John 4.10, it says, This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. God's love could never have been fully known without him sending Jesus here on this earth. God's saying, I am love. Everything about me is love. He created us because he loved us. This whole world, this creation is God's love story and expression of his love. And so then he sends Jesus to come to restore that relationship that was broken between his creation and himself. That relationship that was destroyed in the Garden of Eden by Adam and Eve that we continue to destroy with our sinful nature. When man sinned against God, women sinned against God, that relationship with God was broken. Our sins separated us from our Heavenly Father. And it says, and this is real love, not that we love God, but that God loved us. Real love is that he sent his son Jesus. This is what's crazy. Now really listen to this part. Relationship is broken, and this is real love, that God sent his son to take our punishment for our sin. You know, I think so often we in the Christian world hear that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Jesus took our punishment on the cross. And you can kind of pass over this truth because as I've been studying, this is what has overwhelmed me so much this week 
is that God loves you and me so much that he sent his son in my place. I have uh, three sons and a daughter. Cannot imagine sending one of my children to replace somebody else's punishment. I can't even fathom it. That I don't think I love that much when I think about it. And God is saying that he loves us this much, that he sent his son to die for our sins. God is a just and fair God. You've heard this always. Therefore, there's a, there's a crime has been committed. We have committed a crime against him. There has to be punishment because God loves you and you and you and you and you and you. Because God loves you, Jesus became the offering from God. You see that? Jesus became the offering from God. God sent his son. The offering came from God to take our punishment in order to restore our broken relationship with him. So who was the sin against? Who was our sin against? God. And what did God do? Sent his son. Man. What kind of love is that? God's love holds nothing back, not even his one and only son. In Romans 5, 8, and 10, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So we've sinned. God's angry. We are now the enemies of God. And God loves us and sends his one and only son to be an offering, a sacrifice to satisfy his anger. Do you hear that? Is that not an incredible thought? God sends his son to take the punishment for us that we deserve because we messed up with him. Because we are now so separated. Does this make sense to you? It doesn't make sense to me. I sit there and I read it and I think, this makes no sense at all. I don't understand this kind of love. I sin against God. I've broken this relationship. And he says, Oh, how I miss Dana. I want Dana back with me. So he says to his son, Jesus, go take her place. Go take her punishment. I want her back with me. I don't understand that kind of love. He wants us to be with him forever. That's why he had to send his son to rescue us from hell, to rescue us from eternity in hell without him. In verse 10, this is real love. Not all the other loves we hear about. I mean, you think about how the word love is thrown around. I love hamburgers. I really do. Uh, I love a lot of things. I love Brian dearly. You would sit there and go, does Dana love Brian as much as she loves hamburgers? You might wonder, because I've used the same word. I love hamburgers and I love Brian. We throw the word love around and we kind of lose sight of this is real love. God is love. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. 
This is the only real love. This is real love. You and I have done nothing to deserve it. Nothing. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. God just created us. And then we blew it, and then he rescued us back. We didn't do anything but blow it. And God rescued us. Remember that when you think that God owes you anything, you want to become bitter because he didn't give it to you. Think about this. This is real love, that God sent his son for us. I think so often in our prayer life, I mean, I love Unity's testimony of he's reached a maturity with the Lord. If God says no, he's going to trust him. He doesn't become bitter. He's going to trust this God who loves him with a real love, a real kind of love. In verses 11 and 12, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. The effect of God's love is expressed and seen in us. The effects, God is love, and then he's saying the effects of that love poured out on us is that we would love other people. You would be able to see it. I know you've seen these illustrations before when we think about wind and electricity. They do exist. Do we see them? No, we don't see them. We see the effects of wind and electricity. The effect of God on us is love. That should be the effect of God on us, is his love. God is known by how he affects people. He lives uh, through us, lives in us, because of the Son, Jesus Christ, that he sent. So when we love one another, we're showing the invisible God to the world. When we love each other, they should be saying, that looks just like God. You're looking like God. By loving others, we're helping people to experience God's love. By your being known for loving others, God is made real, and people in this world can actually experience him. They can have an experience of God by how you are loving other people. When uh, our daughter Casey, well, I'll say this first. When um, I was growing up, my mom raised us, and still she's just the same, uh, with the concept, I used to ask her, Mom, you act like your, love wouldn't, your life would not have been so great if I hadn't been born. She says, it would have never been this good if you'd never been born. She loved us so sweetly. I love how my mom loves. To this day, I love the gentleness and overwhelming love of my mother. When my mom and I I actually cannot remember ever having a single argument with my mom. I'm so, so close to her, so close to my mom. So when my daughter Casey was born and the doctor put her in my hands, my very first prayer right then was, God, would you give me a relationship with my daughter like my mom and I have? Would you give me that kind of relationship? So I started raising Casey the way I knew my mom had raised me. So when Casey left us to go uh, to university, 
Uh, she had a summer before university started, so she moved in with my parents. And we cried and cried and cried and cried and cried. Casey and I would talk to each other once a week and cry and cry and cry, the whole phone conversation. One day she calls me and she says, you know, Mom, when I'm with your mom, it's like being with you. She says, do you know how much your mom is like you? And I said, I hope I'm like my mom. She kind of had it backwards. I want to be like my mom. And this is what God is saying. Could we be so close to him that as we're loving other people, we will be like him. We will act like him. People will feel like they have been with God because they have been with us. No one has ever seen God, but people are seeing you. We will not see God here in this world, but we will see Christians, people who are followers of Jesus Christ. We will watch them, and I'm telling you, people are watching. I think we'd be surprised, and heaven will probably find out and will cringe when we think someone decided not to follow Jesus because I was not representing God, the God that they would want to follow. When people look at you, when people watch you, do they see the love of God towards them? And I think the first place to look at it is when your family looks at you, do they see the love of God in you? Our family knows this so, so well. And I think very often my concept is Brian actually should get the nicest of me of anybody else in the world. He should have my best. He's my family. I should be kinder to Brian, serving him, loving him, being with him, enjoying him more than anybody else in the world. He should see me living like God's love more than anybody else in the world. What do you look like to your family as you serve and love them? In verse 13, and God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. The work of the Holy Spirit makes us actually seek God in the first place. And when we feel we, with the Holy Spirit in us, like I talked about earlier, we feel God's presence all the time, God in us. It's uh, the promise that through Jesus, we're completely at peace with God. We don't have to wonder if we're at peace. We're no longer enemies of God when the Holy Spirit comes into us. The Holy Spirit tells us that we can draw so close to God that we can now call him Abba, Daddy. Romans 8, 15, and 16 says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. The Holy Spirit comes into us, those of us who have prayed and asked Jesus to forgive us of our sins, to come into our lives and take over and be Lord of our lives. The Holy Spirit comes in and says, you are now a child of the Most High God. In verse 14, furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Jesus is the Savior of the world. No exclusions, 
nobody left out. He came to save the world. And we are not just the little Christian world and then we're all just going to hover around together. This Christian group that's right here, we are being sent out because he is seeking to save the entire world. He is wanting to deliver all of us from the punishment of hell, but also not just eternal life that's in our future, but also salvation through Jesus Christ delivers us from ourselves. Do you get sick of yourself sometimes? I do. I irritate myself. How in the world can I be doing this again? He delivers us from ourselves, from those habits that are forming, from temptations that lead to our destruction. He saves us from fears and anxieties, saves us from our stupidity and our mistakes that we've been making. He gives us a life outside of ourselves. It's Jesus alone who can bring us God's grace, love, mercy, and forgiveness. In verse 15, all who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. Declare. And in verse 14, it says, testify. But this is the key here. I can't just say declaring um, that Jesus is the Son of God and think that that's all there is. It says we're going to declare that Jesus is the Son of God, and we have God living in us, and we're living in God. We're purposely putting ourselves with God. I can declare all I want. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. But if I'm not living in God and God living in me, that's, no tr that's not truth for me. Jesus is the Son of God, but it is not the life that I'm looking for if I have not chosen in that declaration to be wrapped up in God's love. Living so enmeshed with God, living so close to him being in me and me being in him, that you can't tell the difference between the two of us. I've told this before. My friend Elka fell off her bike years ago, and I always think this when I think of these passages, but she was just scratched and bruised from head to toe, and I turned around in greeting time and saw her, and I went, Oh, Elka. I mean, it just broke my heart with all these cuts and everything all over. And her husband, Reiner, was standing there. And when I said, oh, Elka, she leaned into Reiner. He wrapped his arms around her. She's tiny and he's tall. He, he wrapped his arms around her and pulled her in tight. And she leaned, when he did that, she leaned even tighter in. And he pulled her in closer. I'll never forget this picture because I could see Elka's little eyes sticking out, but I saw Reiner. He had just covered her and wrapped, and you couldn't really tell where Elka was, except I could kind of see her there, but he had her covered. It's such a beautiful picture. This is what God's saying, be so close to him that nobody will know who's who, that we're so enmeshed in, in God that we are so wrapped in him, and he is so wrapped in us. Just a tight, tight bond. In verse 16, we know how much God loves us. How much does God love us? What did he do? He sent his son Jesus, his one and only son. So we know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love, which is Jesus Christ. God is love, saying it again. 
All who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. So now after all this explanation, he's basically saying the same thing again. This should be clear to you now how much God loves you. By now, you should begin to understand, man, God really does love us. This is an incredible kind of love. And if we understand that love, then we would desire to put our trust in his son, put our trust in his love. Jesus is a demonstration of God's love in this world. He's who we must put our trust in. He's the one that God sent here and says, put your trust in my son. No one goes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. So our trust has to be through the, the life of Jesus Christ. It cannot be in anything else. I can't be good enough. You can't be good enough. We can't do enough. It is only through his son, Jesus Christ. And it says, if we live in love in Jesus Christ, you live in God, and God lives in you once you make this connection. In verses 17 and 18, as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. I like that because I definitely do not have a perfect love. I would love to love perfectly. That would be awesome to have a perfect love. But this is an ongoing process. So where you are today, my prayer is that not any of us, that this time next year, would still have the exact same love. That our love would be more perfect a year from now, a week from now. That our love would be growing. That it would be becoming the way God wants it to do. As I abide in, in God, as I dwell in Him, as I come to be with Him, my love will exponentially grow. The more I'm with my heavenly Father, God is love, the more He rubs off on me, Dana will show love. It just goes hand in hand. I think so often we want to be loved, we want to be Christ-like, but we want to do it quickly and keep going and don't put the time in that we need to put in in reading God's word, which is his love letter to us, reading who he is, listening to sermons, praising his name, appreciating his creation. We don't want to put the time in. We just want to love like God. And God is saying we have to abide in him, him in us. That's purposeful. This is a purposeful thing. And it will be, one day, it will be the completion of God's love in our lives when we go to heaven. Completion of that love. Because of Jesus, it'll be a judgment. There will be a judgment day. But because of Jesus Christ, it will not lead to our eternal death. One day when I'm in front of Jesus, face to face, and God is reading out my judgment, I always think it says that everything you've done will be shouted from the rooftops. <gasps> Don't you hate that verse? That, that verse always just makes you go, oh, that, that one I don't like. And I think I can just picture myself going, oh. And before the pronouncement, Jesus says, she's mine. She belongs to me. And God says, great. How wonderful. That's when I think in heaven, 
I'm going to go, woohoo! Woohoo! Undeserved, unworthy. And Jesus said, I'm his. And I get eternity with him. Such love that God has given us has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it's for the fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Such love has no fear. It expels, it casts away fear that we don't have to be afraid. Fear in these verses is talking about fear of the punishment that we actually deserve. We know it. Fear of that. But if we are children of God, it's not something that we have to be fearful of. It is pushed away. God's complete, completed love through our accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior gives us no fear of today or all eternity. We have nothing to fear. When we have accepted what God has done, nothing to fear. In verse 19, we love each other because he loved us first. We love each other, not because we're great and we're just awesome, we're just lovely. No, we love each other because he loves us first. God loves us first because God is love. Then we're able to love God, and then we love others because God's love lives in us. So our response of love is in response to God loving us. So it's like a puzzle. It just starts twisting here. I'm going to love because God loves me and I love God and therefore because I love God and God loves me and he loves you, then I'm going to love you because I love God and he's loving me and he loves you. Does that make sense? <laughs> what an awesome truth. My parents loved me before I knew that they loved me. I had no response to that. There's no response as a newborn baby. In fact, you are so selfish as a newborn baby. No love response. I didn't even know my parents existed. But as they continued to love me, I learned to love them. So as they were loving me, I started loving them. And then the more I loved them, I started loving my brother and my sister. Because my parents sure do love my brother and my sister. And so because I love my parents, but they love me first, but they also love my sister and my brother, but they love me, they want me to love my sister and my brother, but they also want me to love them. And it just wraps around. This is what God is saying. God loved us first. And he says, because I love you, I want you to love others. In verse 20, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. Ooh, that's a harsh word. Were you ever taught you're not supposed to call somebody a liar? That's, that's rough. You are a liar. You kind of go, whoa, that's a big word. This is a big word. This is, this is used purposely that we would know that if we are not meeting this criteria, we are liars. If we are not loving who God loves, and I say I'm a follower of Christ, then I'm a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? 
It's just not possible to love God, be filled with God's love, dwell in God's love, and then hate one another. That's what God's saying. This cannot happen. That's not possible. You would be a liar if you said you love God and you hate your fellow man or lady. It's just not possible. In uh, verse 21, and he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their fellow believers. It's not a request. It's an order. It's a command. He's telling us you must love one another. Not a request. Not a, why don't you try it? No. It's a command. It's an order. In John 13, 34 to 35, Jesus says this, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. We've been praying and fasting. We're going to continue praying and fasting and seeking our Heavenly Father. This helps us to hear his voice, to know his will. But what if something's standing in the way? What if you have a relationship that's not okay? What if there's these relationships that God is saying, you really don't seem like you love me very much because of the way you treat this person? The only way that we can prove that we have eternal life in Jesus is for us to love God and love everyone who he loves. Love God and love who he loves. I love God, therefore I love you. The only way that we can love and live like Jesus is giving up our lives like Jesus did for the, for the needs of others. This is actually proof of life, that we are going to say, I love God I'm going to give, set myself aside like Jesus did. I'm going to love like Jesus. I'm going to sacrifice myself in the sense of everything's not about me. And I will be the person that goes out to fix a relationship. I will be the person that heads to someone and say, I'm so sorry we're here. Can we, can we make this relationship right? Do you know what? It won't necessarily make the relationship right. I've done those before, too, that God said, you. There's a verse, as such as it's up to you, Dana Bullington, be at peace with all men and women. And I learned with that verse that God's not talking about the other person. He's saying, I'm talking to you, Dana, not them. As such as it's up to you, church, be at peace with all men and women. You can't do their side for them. But you can stand before your heavenly father and he'll go, good job. I'm pleased with you. I'm going to bless you for that. You're going to hear my voice more clearly. You're going to enjoy your days much more. This is going to be a better life because you have done what I've asked you to do. Our love for God and our love for man become forever connected. They're not separate. And I think we'd like to separate this. I love God, eh, kind of love man. But this is one. God is saying, if we love him, we are going to love who he loves. The good news is, because love comes from God, God will give you what you need 
to love whom he loves. If you're having a problem in this area, start asking him to help you to love a person. You probably all have somebody in mind. I see it on your faces. Start asking God to help you to love this person. Asking and asking and asking until one day you go, hmm, I actually love them. Don't stop until you feel that you love this person. Act in love too. Do things that show that you love them, even if you don't feel it yet. Act in love. Act lovely. Be the first person that talks to the person that you don't want to have to say hi to first. You have those people? Well, they don't say hi to me. I'm not saying hi to them. Just be a fool for Jesus. Start saying hi and they can look away. Start being kind and they can treat you mean. Start being generous and they can shun you. But God says, act, live, speak, do love to each other so he will know that we belong to him. Do all of you know how much God loves you? I actually ask God that all the time. Would you teach me to know how much you love me? And the more I understand God's love for me, the more I have joy and contentment, the more I find that little things just don't really bug me so much, the more I understand God's love for me, the more when something kind of falls apart, I can think, okay, God's got it. Because I'm covered, enmeshed, wrapped around with God's love. It's kind of an invincible feeling. Creator of the world, covering you and me. We have nothing to fear. We don't even have to fear rejection of these people God's telling you to go love. We have nothing to fear, nothing to lose. Jesus did it all. He lost everything on the cross for you and for me. Ask Jesus, if you don't know him yet, if you've never asked him to come into your life, ask him to forgive you of your sins. Thank him for taking your punishment on the cross. Thank him for giving us a way to go to our Heavenly Father. Ask God to move in your life in mighty ways. Give Jesus permission to take full control. And if you're like me, I have to do that quite a few times a day. Give Jesus permission to take control. Do you ever do that? Here, Jesus, you can have everything. Oh, here, Jesus, I took it back. You can have it. Okay, you can have it. You can really have it. No. Okay, this time. I'm really going to give it to you this time. Well, no, I'll keep it for a little bit longer. You do that? I do. I find that those are those battles we have in this world. So keep giving your life over to him. Over, it's not that you've lost your salvation, but it's an act of our will. I choose to be loved by my Heavenly Father, to love my Heavenly Father, and to love who my Heavenly Father loves. For the love of God, don't miss the love that God has for you and me today. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you've asked us to do big things that we can't do in our own strength. So, Lord, anything that people are thinking on right now, Lord, 
assure them that you will walk with them through this, that you'll help them do anything that you're asking them to do today. And Jesus, I do pray, if anyone doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, that they would do it right now and ask you to take over their lives and forgive them of their sins and that they would become your child. Thank you so much, God, for a love that none compares with. In your name I pray, amen. This is Rico Veca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.